stories in numbers. Stories that will make you feel either good or bad, but in a nice way. But not everything can be captured by numbers. We need stories to make sense of the world we live in. Cuenta na may cuento. Stories in numbers. With Michael Cañares. Hi everyone. Welcome back to Stories in Numbers. And in this episode, we will be tackling a new topic. As you have known, most especially for those who have subscribed to Stories in Numbers in the different channels. In the past uh, six episodes, we were talking about uh, the impact of COVID-19 on Tagbilaran City. This time around, we will be talking about a new topic. In this episode and in the next, we will be talking about teenagers and their privacy online. This podcast was actually triggered by the Social Dilemma documentary available on Netflix. I watched it twice over the last two weeks and became extremely worried. I wanted to know whether users are aware of the types of issues most particularly related to privacy that the documentary was talking about. As we know, the growth of mobile users in developing countries like the Philippines has been unprecedented and this occurred only in the last five years. In most of these contexts, access to the internet is done via mobile phones and largely by using social media sites, even creating the perception that social media sites are outside the internet. In Indonesia, for example, research has shown that some people are unaware that by using Facebook, they are actually using the internet. Use of social media in developing countries has tremendously increased over this period. Countries like Indonesia, the Philippines, Nigeria, and Kenya top the list of lower middle-income countries with very high social media usage from between 82 to 89% of adults. However, the amount of personally identifiable information shared by users in social media sites is tremendous, prompting others to conclude that social media companies are farming data from users without their informed consent. Recently, concern over data privacy has been raised by several organizations, advocating not only for data privacy but also data protection, asking governments and companies to enshrine data privacy as a right legislate and enforce privacy safeguards, and condemn mass surveillance. In a research in 2014 uh, conducted in the US, the UK, Germany, China, and India on how 900 users use social media, assess their level of awareness in what they share, and how others may use their data, and identify their concerns on data sharing on the web, it found out an astonishingly low recognition of the specific types of information tracked online. At the same time, there's also a very high recognition of the risks associated with social media use. Two years ago, I conducted the same type of research in the province where I live, in Bohol, located in Central Philippines. With the assistance of Heads Paredes, my ever-loyal research lead, we surveyed 100 teenagers attending high school in the province of Bohol. The respondents of the study were senior high school students, aged 15 to 18. The choice of focus is based on global statistics. The social media use is at the highest at the younger segment of the population. And earlier research works that argue that young people use social media sites extensively and are exposed to various risks. The respondents were selected using multi-level clustered sampling technique. School selections were done via probability proportional to size sampling, where population of senior high school students is divided by the total population of a covered area. 
there were 10 respondent schools who were selected to participate in the survey. Class selections was done through fishbowl. For each school, only one class was selected. Student respondent in the class selected were chosen using random table generation, with the last two numbers of the student ID as identifier. For every multiple of two, one male and one female respondent were selected. In schools with odd number of respondents assigned, the male-female selection was made with due consideration of the total sample to ensure that the male-female ratio will be 50%. By the way, the study used both quantitative and qualitative approaches. The survey with a total of 100 respondents was conducted via self-administered questionnaires. And out of the 100 respondents surveyed, 10 student respondents, 5 male, 5 female, were selected for key informal interviews. So, what did we find out? In today's podcast, we will discuss about headline results. And in the next podcast, 8, we will talk about the implications of these results on policy and programming, especially on the part of governments, educational institutions, and even families. First, teenagers access the internet using their mobile phones. All of the respondents are accessing social media, and majority of them are accessing these platforms in their mobile phones. Furthermore, majority of these respondents use mobile phones to access the internet. The ownership of smartphones among respondents paved the way for the increase in respondents' availability and frequency in the use of social media platforms. Second, Facebook remains the most popular social media platform that teenagers in Bohol use. The top social media sites that respondents use are Facebook, YouTube, and Tumblr, surprisingly. They also use Facebook Messenger as a way to actually communicate with friends. So the popularity of Facebook can be partly attributed to the fact that free data access is provided through mobile data. Third, teenagers use social media primarily to communicate with others. For most of the respondents, it is used primarily to connect and share news with friends express opinion or share knowledge about something or about product or an issue or they use it to watch videos for leisure and entertainment. Social media accounts have been the primary source of information exchange and a tool for communication either for personal or school-related topics for teenagers. With the hype associated with blogging and vlogging, social media also serves as a venue for teenagers to share the interest with or connect to online communities who share the same interest as them. Fourth, teenagers do not really know what policies they are subscribing to when they use social media platforms. While majority claim that they have or read or they look into social media platforms' terms of service and privacy policies before enrolling or accepting them, they said they don't actually understand them because they are so lengthy or because they are actually expressed in legalistic terms. For several of those who are using social media, they have accepted the platform's terms of service without even understanding them. Fifth, teenagers share a lot of personal information online. In terms of data sharing and use, five top most publicly shared personal data are names, birthdays, gender, and age. While most of the publicly shared information are related to personal data, most of the respondents share their thoughts, feelings, and opinions about things and social issues and personal problems only to their friends. A majority of respondents or teenagers, around 88%, share pictures along with several other commentaries on how their days went or go and how or where they've been, what are the sites that they have 
visited. Six, and for me, this becomes much more concerning, is that teenagers do not really know what social media companies do with the data that were collected about them. Many of the respondents do not have any idea about how social media companies use their data. And it may sound very naive, but what is important to them is how much social media has become a very helpful tool for them to communicate with others and make information more accessible in real time. Surprisingly, around 70% of the respondents do not have any concerns over personal data shared online. While some believe that data may be copied or used, only 1% of the respondents believe that this data can be used for marketing or selling products and services or for other purposes that may endanger them. At this point, I'd like us to pause for a little bit and think about what is the experience of teenagers in using social media. So in the focus group discussions, we'll listen to several young people on what or on the quality of their social media experience. And I'd like to read what they said to us in these focus group discussions. So the first quote that I will read is from a female student, 18 years old, grade 12, in one of the schools in Bohol, in the Philippines. This is what she said. The first and the last thing I do with my day is to check for any updates on my social media accounts. I usually spend 5 to 10 minutes each time and accumulate around 4 to 5 hours each day browsing. The maximum account I have in one platform is 6. I have different accounts for friends I met personally and people I met online. Separate account for family members, for school, and for the movie actors or actresses that I like. My social media accounts have different purposes as well. Facebook is used for messaging and checking people online, while Instagram is used for following people with whom I share the same interest with. This time around, let's listen to a 16-year-old female student at grade 11. She said, Facebook with its free data option and Facebook Messenger's free access is very helpful for me. It has become an inexpensive tool to communicate with my classmates and even my teachers. They usually post announcement, notes, and other learning resource materials through these platforms. Information becomes more accessible in real time. In fact, we depend on social media for announcement, especially when there is a class suspension or when there's a need to communicate with our group mates through group chats. Having an account has become a necessity. Then we have a 17-year-old male student at grade 11. He said, one of the most horrible experiences I had with Facebook was identity theft. Somebody made an account using my photo, copying all my personal information, and worse, adding all my friends and chatting with them as if it was me. It was traumatic to be scammed, more so if some hackers use their account to scam other people. And finally, a male student, 16 years old, grade 11, he said, Sometimes I feel like I don't have privacy anymore. Even if I do not post often in my accounts, people will still see me in tagged posts, comments, or from albums of someone else. Social media has become quite invasive. As we can see from these quotes, at one end, we've seen that social media actually has good uses. As a matter of fact, as based on the respondent's experience, it has made communication with others much, much easier 
and the sharing of information much faster. But at the same time, several of them have also seen the increasing risks associated with engagement with social media platforms. And these are actually things where they need support and education on. Why do I say that? Because based on the results of the survey, teenagers start to see the risks associated with social media use, but they do not know how to protect themselves from risks online. So it reminds me of one social media user who was chatting with somebody from overseas that he did not, she has not met personally, but she considered to be very friendly initially. Later, this person started to ask for her pictures, first of her face and later on of her private body parts. If teenagers are using social media via their phones, and if all of us, for example, are not seeing what they are actually using the social media for, there's a very high degree of risk that these types of activities, some of them very detrimental to psychological and mental health of teenagers, will be occurring without us being aware of them. When I was uh, looking at how my kids, for example, are using social media, and the degree of control that I have over the kinds of things that they're doing with their mobile phones, I get pretty scared. I get pretty scared because when we give mobile phones to our, to our kids, to our children, primarily because they need it, especially in the kind of education delivery that we have now, where everything is being moved online, we have high hopes that they will actually be using them for the purposes that they're intended for. But at the same time, we, are not, we will not be actually 100% all the time with our children. Some of us are working, others are teaching, others go out, others are not in their own homes. And we don't actually have the capacity to look at what our children are doing with their devices. We know for a fact that a lot of those that invented technology, including social media platforms, are on social media diets. If you have watched the Social Dilemma documentary, you will hear there, for example, that those that have been at the forefront of developing Facebook, Instagram, and others are actually saying they don't allow their kids to use these platforms. But these days, we have schools, for example, teachers who are actually using Facebook Messenger to actually communicate with their students. So the use of these platforms has become inevitable. But I think it begs the question, how much control do we have over these processes? It begs the question, how are we protecting our children, our students, from the risks associated with exposure of things online? How can we ensure that they are actually reading only positive content and not anything that harms them physically or psychologically? I don't actually have answers. In the next episode, I'd like to take a look at all the literature out there and the types of things that they suggest on how we'll be able to protect our children, our young people, and probably even including ourselves from the harmful effects of using social media and the internet. I'm sorry this episode seems to be sad and depressing, but we are where we are. And I think part of crafting solutions is actually recognizing that there is really a problem. In the next episode, as I mentioned, we will be talking about potential solutions. And hopefully, those solutions will be something that will inspire us to move into action. So for now, bye everyone, and may the questions that I post 
at the end of this episode serve as a reflection point for everyone who's listening. Bye! Stories in Numbers